I was trying to get all my groomsmen to wear jorts, but it just wasn't happening. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I could rock some some jorts. No, I can. They'd be, but they'd be jort jorts, short jorts. Yeah, Ew. Like dental bought riding bought up. Them at Forever 21. <laughs> oh. Fuck you, Brady. You, you always say Justin wants can wear short shorts. Look at these short shorts, buddy. Oh, <laughs> I don't even have pants on. That's good. Kyle, um, I never said you couldn't wear them. I said that denim riding up might not be a great idea. That's hey, all I was saying. I'm ready to look like Ronnie from fucking uh. Oh my god! Sleep my camp. My girl's gotta from, get a little um, bit more jacked. My girl from uh, Friday Thirteenth Part so. Two got the short shorts too. She just don't mm-hmm. look good anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did uh, what's his name in the wheelchair? But didn't really matter. Shall we? His dick still worked. No, that was part Ted? Three. Yeah. <laughs> no, Mark. Come the on, one who got man. hit in the face with the fucking machete. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you knew that. Then he goes down the that. stairs. Yeah. No, yeah, I just told you that. That's how he you was knew. trying to go down on her, but. Come on, man. He's got no legs. <laughs> um, what? Or he does, but they don't work. <laughs> it's the same thing. Brady, is your headset wireless? No. Well, mine. Oh. No, Brady's, the wire's just on the other side. He's tricking our asses. Uh, I saw the yeah. light up thing. But it's just so he's dark like, in there. You can't even see it even when you hold it. It's because he's got his Android camera on. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck oh, you. Let me, let me take a picture of my Android. <laughs> Stop being so dumb and poor. They said it on SNL. <laughs> I'm recording on a MacBook. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think well, all, so am I. So what, you're the only person with a MacBook now? Yeah, I, think... I am, Kyle. No, I was talking to Mark, but yeah, yeah. you know what, Brady? Fuck you too, bro. <laughs> take a picture of you guys on here, dude. Look at how good that looks. <laughs> I really can't see anything. That looks oh, great. So That's like best quality ever. Hello. Do you wanna die tonight, Cece? Eat shit, live, Bill. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Vintage Horror Podcast, where we talk about all horror, not just the vintage kind. I'm your host, Kyle, and with me tonight, I have Rob. How's it going? Brady. Hello. And Mark. Hello, hello, hello. Today, we'll be talking about Audition from 1999. But first, we're going to crack a cold one open with the boys. All right, so uh, what's up, uh, Brady? Tell us uh, what's up. I don't want to make you go last. Okay, the joke was funny last time. But well, I just don't want to get yelled at, man. Uh, nothing's up with me, man. Now that we're on like a pretty regular recording uh, schedule, it's like the same shit as I was doing last week. What were um, week? Watching movies, going to sleep, stocking produce, you know, living the dream. Living the dream. Uh... Crashes, right? Started. I got Apple TV. You guys would be proud of me. Yeah, um, I saw that. You've been on it a lot lately. Yeah, I've been watching Ted Lasso. Haven't seen uh, it yet. Good, good. So fucking good. Uh, we had a blizzard hit last weekend. So... From Dairy Queen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Respect. Uh, we only... Upside down and everything. Yeah, we only got like uh, 16 inches, I think, max. But then maybe like 20 miles up the road, they got 34 inches. So Holy shit. Yeah, and then we're supposed to get more this weekend and next weekend, but it's whatever. 
I mean, they closed our store down, which they said all week. They were like, Trader Joe's does not close stores for anything. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to be here. And then <laughs> Friday night, they're like, okay, yeah, we're closing all the stores because nobody's going to come into work. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So I had a snow day, and Paige and I went out and played in the snow. Uh, took a bunch of videos of her. Like, there's one that she looks like a fucking rag doll. She tried to run up this hill of snow and just, like, body slammed it. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, she might be dead. But she popped right back up like a champ. Um, we just released our Shining episode for Hail to the King. So that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. What about you, Rob? What's going on with you? I mean, not incredible much. Uh, I think getting brutalized by that snow was the worst thing that we've seen in a while, at least for New Jersey. Um, I texted Kyle, who was out of the state at the time, and uh, I was like, you know, it's pretty bad. I hope you hope you get home okay. And he's like, yeah, I looked at my ring doorbell, and I was like, of course, it's your ring doorbell. I was like, well, I'm looking at my window, and I want to die. This is the worst ever. Um, so I think we got all in all somewhere around like 16 inches of snow yes which like 12 and 16 something like that so we felt it pretty bad and that's rare because like um i know kyle like correct me if i'm wrong kyle like we on the on the coast there's not that many times in my lifetime that i can remember us getting that much snow we i mean it's been a few years but uh, i would say like i feel like once every couple years we get something like bad yeah but um yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, you know, just kind of finalizing wedding stuff and trying to get that all in order. And honestly, just hoping that 2022 pans out to be a better year than 2021 was. 2021 had its ups and downs, but, uh, you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the year ahead is going to be not only good for me, but good for the podcast and good for everybody. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, if you guys pod- want to keep up with Rob, just head over to our Twitter uh, he posts a lot yeah, of stuff over there. It's, the Twitter account's about as exciting as my life is. Um, nothing really happens. I'm excited for you getting married this year, though. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a huge life-changing event. I'm really excited for it. I'm just, um, I'm actually kind of impatient. Like, I'm, I'm ready to just do all the vows, do the fun stuff, and get my that next phase of my life started. But, uh, you know, good thing. Can things I ask you a late. personal question? Sure. What's your personal question? Are you going to change your last name or is Susan going to change her last name? Um, I'm actually changing everything. I'm changing my last name, changing my wardrobe. I'm changing everything about myself. He's changing his first name? Yeah. He's changing (laughs) his gender? Yeah. I I think Robbily is a good first name. Uh, I think it'll work well with me. But uh, yeah, no, she she wants to take on my last name. So we want want to do the the traditional route of things. Uh, I thought about changing my last name to Pages when we got married because, like, I'm adopted. So, you know, uh, your lineage doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I'm not really carrying on the bloodline. But then I was like, yeah, it means a lot to like my adopted family. And then Paige was like, what if we just make up a last name? And I was like, okay, we're just gonna keep my last name. <laughs> like, we're not doing that. You should have. You should have just made it up, man. Like, Kenobi. Brady yeah. Kenobi. It's not bad. <laughs> we when we were when we were growing up, it was Old like Brady whole- Kenobi. <laughs> The lineage thing was always kind of like super important to, to us because um, we were the first like male children mm-hmm. in my dad's side of the family in a very long time. And we came along very late. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was 60 when I was born. So he had girls previously. And I just remember my great uncle just being like, 
it's so wonderful. You know, you boys are going to carry on the family name. And then I told everybody I didn't want kids. And I became the least popular member of the family very quickly. You said um, the buck stops here. <laughs> but I've grown into a more mature and differentiated viewed man. So I'm more open to having kids. I'm actually looking forward to starting a family. And I know that's something that a lot of people who have known me most of my life are like, didn't see that coming. Or apparently some of them just said I've been in denial my whole life. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the next chapter. Cool. And I'm excited for uh, everybody except for Brady to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Enjoy the next chapter. So is Brady not coming? I don't understand. Wow, that was, are you just inviting me? That's fucked up. I mean, Brady, Brady's invited, but I assume that he had to work. It's in October. Fucking like a year away. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I might be on call that weekend. Calm. I could be on call. I'm, I'm not. Nope. I'm not. How do you know? Because I have my schedule for the year. It's wild. Do you really? Yeah. That fucking sucks. I could do mine for the whole year too, but once <laughs> why? People, this way I can plan my fucking life. But once people take vacations, so. it's gonna change. So yeah, that's the that's the benefit. Like my job, like I get the yearly calendar with like mm. everything laid out for me, so like I can plan my whole year out. I, I do like that. I understand what Kyle's saying. It's it's nice knowing what's ahead, so you can plan around it. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna kick it to Mark, the most interesting man in all the world. As soon as when I'm drinking the water, great. <laughs> well, I assumed you were drinking the water, prepared to give a speech. No, damn just, boy, you thirsty? Just very thirsty, you know. Had too much. Well, I have that effect on. People. Had too much sodium today. Damn, you're going for bottle number two over there. Bottle like number twenty today. Um, yeah, but um, <laughs> since we last recorded, nothing too much going on. Um, we get to see our friend Mike this weekend. On unfortunate circumstances, but we still get to see him and his family. Um, haven't really done too much. Been watching stuff. I I started watching um. On Hulu, the Pam and Tommy thing, like their oh, sex yeah, tape thing. I don't, know. I don't know. I'm kind of like, there's only three episodes out, and it's uh, kind of like, I don't know. I don't really care. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to finish that. And they do the same thing with, um, I was a big fan of How I Met Your uh, Mother, and they just came up with How I Met Your Father. And Hulu does the same thing. They release one episode a week. I don't like that at all. That's bullshit. It's like, yeah. The other day, I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch all of it. And I'm like, wait, why is there only two episodes out of this bullshit? So I, I, that's pretty funny. Hillary Duff's in it. I love Hillary Duff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've just been watching random stupid stuff. I started watching this other TV show called uh, Ghosts. I think it's on CBS. Maybe it's like um, it's I guess it's a remake of a British show, and it's like it's supposed to be like a comedy, and um, it's like a girl can see ghosts in her house, and only she can see them. So it's pretty funny. And uh, when I looked at when I watched the trailer on YouTube, everyone in the comments was like, "Fuck this show!" Like. The British version is so much better. Why would they remake this? You fucking pussies! Like, they oh, people say that about. Uh, it, yeah, right? I know. And like, because I remember when The Office was getting made, people were like, "This kid Kyle used to grow up with when he, uh, he was a big fan of The Office, the UK." And um, he's like, "Yeah, the American version sucks." And then I remember I downloaded The Office UK version because I didn't know there was two versions at first. And I said, "Dude, the show fucking sucks." I'm like, they're British. <laughs> But yeah, but they all get mad about that. Same thing with I think uh, Shameless was from the UK too, and then that came over here. And I try to watch the UK version; that shit sucks too. Yeah, yeah, but I've been watching random stuff, you know. Um, we got exciting news today that they're going forward with Scream Six. Hell yeah! I knew that was. I just assumed that was. Yeah, happening. I know. When they said like before Scre- this scream just came out i know they said like nev campbell said in an interview somewhere like if they're like if the the people that directed it want to do another one she's down uh, so i guess she had a good time with this one 
Because yeah, she barely did it. Half the work, more the pay. Half. That's what I'm saying. Double like, the she, pay, she, half the work. They probably treated her like royalty on the set. Gave her very. They like, didn't have a lot to do, and they probably paid her like royalty and out the door. Yeah, she did more on uh, that one season of House of Cards she was on. Yeah, I never finished that, but I, I when they sh- like I said from the beginning when they flash Ghostface at the end that was spoiler, like a clear spoiler. sign to me that what it's just, same thing that happens after one and two but not after three so whoa 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 we don't know that we didn't see those he might have not seen one and two yet they're well, only twenty really years twenty five years old but mm-hmm. but yeah uh, nothing really else going on Kyle what's going on with you uh, Rob kind of alluded to what. I've been up to um, my our friend Travis. He was on episode twenty for uh, Halloween H two O. Helped him move down to North Carolina. Drove down. He picked me up early as fuck. Barely got any sleep before that. Drove down. Um, helped him move in. Set some stuff up. Stayed there Saturday and then Sunday flew back. Uh, so that was the biggest thing that's happened recently. Uh, I, I don't really know. How, I don't think I really. How was shoveling your driveway? You know, I didn't. I missed all that snow. Yeah. Literally, like it snowed the day I left, and it was done by the time I got back. So that shit, yeah. we paid someone to have it uh, to snow blow it. And so I didn't have to do any of that. Pussy ass bitch. Yeah, my neighbor like drove up while I was like, we were outside shoveling like the driveway out. And we were like halfway through the driveway, and I looked like I was going to die. And my neighbor's you like, guys are fucking pussies. You, know, you could just, you could just, you could just use my snow blower, right? And I'm like, Really? He's like, yeah, just walk in my garage and go get it. So, and he had like one of the nice big ones. What I thought was going to be a multi-hour job ended up being like 15 minutes. If I had a nickel for every time. <laughs> neighbors come in clutch. Shout out to my neighbors. Yeah, Rob fucking texted me when I'm in North Carolina like, hey, do you have an electric snowblower? After I already explained to him that I'm having, we're paying somebody $75 to come fucking like shovel Someone us. Someone shoveled you for like, $75? Were yeah. you homeless? Why? That's so cheap. There yeah. were dudes around here doing it for thirty-five well, bucks. We, who? We know people though, so you know. I got paid, and, uh, I got paid like five hundred dollars like over the weekend to do it. There, there were dudes like all fucking. Somebody came to my house at night and just used a snowblower, but uh, <laughs> I'm like, why would I pay somebody seventy-five fucking dollars to do that if I have a snowblower at my house? I just mean, do the work without meanwhile, asking. Meanwhile, meanwhile, there's a there's a guy in Lakewood who was uh, uh, going down the sidewalk with a snowblower and a giant unicorn onesie, mm. like a giant blow up. It was like inflatable suits. I'm gonna tell you something. Fuck Lakewood. <laughs> um. So besides that, I bought these books that are right behind me. The listeners can't see, but I uh, bought some Stephen King books. I bought Needful Things, It, and The Shining, and they're all older covers. And um, yeah, from some place in Flemington, New Jersey, some bookstore. It popped up on my sponsored on Instagram. I forget. It's like Act Two Books or something like that. And uh, they were advertising their big Stephen King haul that they got. And I went on their site, bought a few, and they shipped them. Uh yeah, so that's kind of horror related. Oh, sponsor has a yeah. Sometimes yeah, when it's what, cool shit. What was the one that you bought? But they, I guess, they didn't have it. Was it uh Firestarter? Firestar- yeah, Firestarter. Firestar. I bought that too. And like <laughs> a few hours after I bought it, I got like a refund on PayPal. I was like, what the fuck? And I looked looked at the invoice to see like does this match any of the price of the books? And it was Firestarter. And I was like, ah fuck. They didn't email me and say, hey, sorry, we already sold it in store. Nothing. They just <laughs> sent me like a. Um, 
like uh, some money back, and that's it. Do you it's want like, okay. like one? Because I have two. I mean, they're not hardcover, but they're cool variants. But I, I we'll talk later about right, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, besides that, you know, not a whole lot going on in my life. I haven't really watched a lot. I've downloaded a lot. <laughs> Didn't watch anything. Um, yeah, that's it. I guess, right? There's nothing new in my life. Um, Rob, Mark? How would I know what's new in your life? I'd barely talk to you. Oh, okay, anymore. cool. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> what, oh, sorry. We're not friends? I don't understand. Uh, you forgot to tell them that I took you on a date to Olive Garden. Yeah, we did go to Olive Garden. I didn't even know about that. And, uh, yeah. I thought about snapping you. I said, no, I'm going to be the bigger man today. I'm not going to rub it that's in his face. So that's how I barely know what's going on, you know? Except when, when Mike FaceTimed you and you were like, hi, this is Oh, Mike Bob. knew, yeah. yeah Mike I knew. didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike, uh, he uh, called me on Snapchat. Okay, so the, earlier that day, I accidentally hit call like Mike on Snapchat. And he, it was like 11 a.m. And he looked at it. I saw him open Snapchat, look at it, and then he didn't call me back. I was like, oh, maybe he realizes it was an accident. This motherfucker, what time was that? Five, six o'clock at night? He's like Probably fucking... Almost 6.30, yeah. Calling me at <laughs> Snapchat video. He's like, hey, we're just calling you back. I said, Mike, that was 11 a.m. And I saw you already <laughs> see it. So I don't know. He's like, well, I don't want to be rude. Yeah, yeah, we're going to see uh, Mike this weekend. And um, I'm going to try that pancake place this weekend, too. What pancake place? Brownstone. Brownstone oh. Pancake Factory. Yeah. The one that, you know, people went to without me. No big deal. No, it's not a big deal, you know. I asked you to go. Yeah, you knew I was in South Carolina, North Carolina, wherever I was. Who knew? I, I didn't get an invite to the Pancake Factory. Wow. Uh, the a lot of people got invited. Man. Sam got invited. No. Sam kind of invited herself. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Did she? <laughs> I don't think that's how it happened. You even said, you it. said it. You said, is it okay if John comes too? And Sam said, I don't care. Damn. She she got she said ass. it at the pancake place. She's like, yeah, I kind of invited myself. You realize she says sorry when there's nothing to be sorry for ever. Like she just yeah. I think during the prowler, somebody got killed and she was like, sorry. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least she stayed the whole time. Unlike Justin, right. so <laughs> Justin was like, I want you to beat me up in the parking lot, and she didn't even touch him. She just said sorry. <laughs> he was in the parking lot the whole time waiting for. Her. <laughs> just pacing I'm back never, and forth. I'm, I'm never gonna let him move that down. I don't even think he cares, honestly. <laughs> Well, no, I'm just going to remind him all the time, though. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I guess we could move right into an audition since, you know, we just spent a fuckload of time on this dumb crack and a cold one. Well, all right, nothing's dumb when you're spending time with friends, but okay, that's cool. Thanks. We cracked a lot of cold ones. Sorry, you guys are coworkers, okay? You're not friends. Uh, colleagues. Is that what they call them? Associates. Is that, the, is that the PC version of it? I mean, that's just white collar versus blue collar. There, we're gonna get okay. You better watch. All right, calm when down. When you bring color in the things, you better watch out. Right? I have a black <laughs> hashtag color brave. I have a black color on. I don't know what that is. So, uh, all right. So audition. It was first shown October second, nineteen ninety nine, at the uh, Vancouver International Film Festival, huh. and then it actually premiered in Japan in theaters March third, two thousand. So it didn't come out in 1999. Uh, it did, because that's when it premiered. Hmm. Um, it's rated R. has a runtime of an hour and 55 minutes. I couldn't find a budget for this. Uh, I would assume it's rather small, if I had to guess. Um, and it only grossed $359,853 worldwide. So yeah. I don't think it had a very big theater release. But it said over the span of like two months or something yeah, like that. Yeah, via Wikipedia, it's like 131000 was American. Yeah. Um, it holds a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. 
And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 82% on the tomato meter, 80% audience score, and 3.8 out of 5 on Letterboxd. The director is Takashi Miike. Is that how it's pronounced, Rob? Yeah. Anyone that's Um, in this movie, I just wrote down guy, girl, son. Not ever going to try to butcher any of these people's names. Just do it. I got you here for not trying to get Uh, not trying to get canceled in 2022. I would say his other biggest movies are 13 Assassins and Ichi the Killer. Yeah. Um, Besides that, looking through his resume, I didn't really see too too much. Yeah, he did. He do the second Ichi the Killer too. I don't. Uh, I don't think so. so. Yeah, I think he just did the first. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I didn't see that in there at least. I mean, watching this, and I won't say too much more than this, but it is clear how he how he made this film, and then was like, wait a minute, I liked what I did here. Let me just escalate and eat you the killer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know too much about Takashi Miike, but I do know that at the time that this movie was filmed, it took about three weeks, which is um a little bit longer. I think usually his movies up till this time only took about two weeks to film. So I think he's a very minimalist type mm-hmm. director. Um, usually, I, I'm assuming low budget films, and uh, did what he could with the budget. You know what it almost reminded me of? Exactly what happens in this movie. Like he's uh, somebody who works at a film studio and uh, just makes shit for cheap. Yeah. This is, this is actually a, a biography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was written by. Well, the novel was. There, this is based on a novel. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If, um, I said that, but it's uh, the novel is by Ryu Murakami. And uh, I don't really know too much about them. I I didn't look into other stuff that they wrote. I would assume this is probably one of their biggest um, authored pieces. But uh, the screenplay was written by uh, Daisuke Tengen. Not even going to try it. Yep, Daisuke Daisuke Tengen. Yeah. Yeah. And... uh, I don't think he really did too much either. He did a lot of other small shit, I think. Um, not a very big screenplay writer. So but there's really not too much to talk about on that front. Um, I don't know if like, you know more about the actual director, Rob, since I mean, chose it. Or... What I know about him is that uh, he's kind of lauded. He has a huge, He has a huge backlog of stuff, stuff that I've never seen. But he tends to float in cult cinema circles as like a big name that they, and especially in Japan, like the Japanese. So, it, without adding too much context to it, the way films are released in Japan is not the same way that films tend to be released in America. Like, you get a lot of art house theaters and stuff like that, and like smaller showings of things, uh, especially in the 90s. That was really big. Um, it was similar to the, I guess, more similar to the way things were in like the 70s and 80s in the United States like individual theaters buying products and showing and stuff like that. Um, but his, like the audition was like a big film for him in terms of breaking out internationally. Um, but he's long had been seen as a, uh, more of a cult film director. I have not seen a lot of his other works. I previous for this, I had seen 13 assassins, which is one, probably my favorite film by him. I really like that. Have you, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie or not. No. Um, it's very, very, very good. I like it. Um, it's almost a little bit of a reimagining of the 47 Ronin. Gotcha. Um, and then each of the killer is a giant lesson in depravity. And that kind of caught my attention. 
So I think I had some certain expectations going into this film and his directorial style. And this film is a big departure, at least in my opinion, from those two films. I mean, certainly I'll get into more, but yeah, I'm not, I don't really know a huge amount about his backlog, only just that based on those three films, I've heard his name quite a bit. Gotcha. Uh, we'll get into some of the characters. I, I mean, there's not many to really talk about. I, if we started naming a bunch of the movies that some of them are in, like you would never have heard of any of them. So we'll just go with uh, Shigeharu Aoyama. Uh, he was played by... Oh, here we go. I, I think I got this. Ryo oh, Ishibashi, who was in The Grudge 1 and 2, and then War, which was that movie with Jet Li and Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did, did you guys ever see that post about like Jet Li recently, about how he looks old and people feel like, yeah, he looks like he has cancer or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. No. That was like oh, years ago. I feel like that. someone posted that. Yeah, that was like a couple years ago, yeah. right? Only like two or something. Or maybe... Well, two. Yeah, maybe he just more looks than old. That. Yeah, well, he looks like he's sick though. Like for someone who like I don't Could know. Never mind. Yeah, he looks like he can't anymore. Um. <laughs> so, the girl who plays Asami uh, Yamasaki. It's her, it's her birthday today. Happy birthday! Is it? Yeah, happy birthday, dude! Synchronicity in the world, it? man. It's all the Matrix. Uh, there's a glitch in the Matrix. I know what that means. I've seen that. Um, I've seen can you pronounce her name for me, Rob? Uh, let me pull that one up there. Uh, Ahishina. Yeah. So she's not really in a lot. I think she was in like it was something like nine or 12 movies or something like that. Um, she's, she's in Sky High. I don't even know what that is. The 2003 movie with uh, Kurt Russell and Kelly Preston and like they had the oh, superheroes really? and their kids go... Oh, you sure? Like I don't think it's high. the same thing. That that is not the same thing. Oh no, 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 wrong you one! Fucking <laughs> racist piece. Of yeah, shit. I was like, I was like, I'm like, I that don't... ain't the same shit. No, no, no. She was in the uh, different Sky High TV. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, because I was looking, I was like, I didn't see that on there. <laughs> what talking about? I was like, I don't think she's. She, I don't think she's speaking English for any movies. Honestly, the only movie that but, uh, uh, Tokyo Gore plays. Um, yeah, I mean that's a pretty big one. That's the only movie yeah. I've heard of that she's been in. Right. And I think her most recent thing was like 2017. So, she, and I think her like acting comes sporadically. Mm-hmm. It's not, she didn't have like constant work. Like it's not like every year she came out with the movie. Um, it was pretty sporadic, mm-hmm. but um, I think that we should just mention her one. Cause she's a big role in this movie. And two, I think she did a really good job. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's worth mentioning her. And then the last person I'm going to talk about is. Uh, <laughs> I'll help you out with it. <laughs> sure. Which one? <laughs> you dildo. Know. Uh, Yosha, Yosha Yashakakiki. Uh, Yasu. Yasu Yasa Yoshikawa. Yeah. That was close, honestly. Uh, Jun uh, Jun Kunimura. Yeah, uh, he was in Kill Bill Volume One and Two, Each of the Killer, The Wind Rises, which is a Hayao Miyazaki film, uh, Attack on Titan. I think there's two live action uh, movies or something like that, and he was in the Full Metal Alchemist live action. And he was also in Kate from 2021, which had uh, Elizabeth Kurt Russell Winstead in it or whatever. No, <laughs> no, is Kelly he? Preston. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the with fucking Mary Elizabeth yeah, Winstead or Woody whatever. Uh, yeah, I never saw it, but um, I think I read a lot of stuff about that, so I don't know if I want to watch it. 
but yeah, that's pretty much the only big cast members that I even bothered looking into. Other people, I like looked at their stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know any of these people. I think yeah, this, I mean, guy, this last guy was in The Wailing, too, right? If this is another fucking Japanese whaling and fucking... I don't think well, it is. I'm, um, looking, I'm looking at his page right now. Jin Kunimura also was in uh, some of the Godzilla films. The I later Godzilla are, films. Yeah, like, like Millennium Era. Like Shin Godzilla and there Shin was Godzilla, another one. And Godzilla Final Wars. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I was going to so mention those, but I didn't know how big they actually were. Yeah. Um, well, Shin Godzilla is what spawned that new Godzilla film in America, correct? Uh, no, that's that Shin Godzilla was the Japanese response to the. Oh, gotcha. gotcha yeah, because gotcha. they it, and it's, I thought they pulled that trigger first, but no, no. Um, okay. But like the other thing, like you have to kind of understand about Japanese cinema, especially like houses like Toho. Um, a lot of these film studios act like houses, and so like they have actors that are specifically contracted to film studios. So like, if you are signed with toho film studios you only act, you're really only acting and you're being put into toho film studio parts which is right. like weird to think about like the way hollywood works like with independent agents right they get signed to like yeah certain studios that's kind of like um well like record labels almost how i can relate is because of obviously documental and then yes yoshimoto but, studios yeah how you know all these people like how the the comedians are tied to like they're tied into yeah i guess groups i don't know uh yeah so the way the comedy duos like comedy works there's like tons of like comedic duos or little groups but they're all part of a parent company and like right. a parent organization that is, acts as their agent and their main like company so that company makes shows and they decide which one of their guys they want on those shows right and so, like, it's cool when you see them all together because then they're like, hey, we were in that show together. We were in that show together. Like, they have that camaraderie, but it's a lot different than over here. And it's so, also like, cool because when you see the same people over and over, like, it's someone that you come to know and they're familiar. Yes. Yeah. So, but it's, uh, I, of all the actors in this, it was only, it was Jun Kunimoto was the only one that I really recognized. Yeah. So. Well, he's definitely, I think, the biggest, so. Yes, for sure. Um, and yeah, I don't really have too many facts on the movie. I don't know if you guys got a chance to look into much and if you discovered anything that's worth noting now. Or uh, I just looked up stuff about the book. Um, I purchased it. so I want to read it too. It's, I've read that it's a pretty short book and that it deals a lot more with... Like, obviously, we'll get into the movie, but it's very contrasted much like the movie in the first half and the second half. And then like to the point where you're very taken back. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to read it. I know there's supposed to be like a, a remake, American remake of this, that they had a trailer and everything for, but I guess the movie never got made. It was, it was, so I know they premiered the trailer at like one of the Sundances, but I guess it never got made. I always thought there was a remake. I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah, I always thought there was a remake of this, but I guess I'm wrong, or maybe there's another um, movie called The Audition in America. I don't. I... Yeah, it's just like all I could see, all I was able to see is like in 2014 or something like that. Like there was a lot of talk of it, like they had directors picked out and everything was in line, and then it just went quiet. Pretty sure there's a trailer so for it, it too. It seems like it's one of those films that died in the executive room. 
which happens quite often, especially when you mm-hmm. have like a concept from another country or and that's being ported over to be remade, that, that will fall through a lot. And I don't honestly know if this could be remade or translated well, but it could, I guess, but that's for another day. Yeah. All right, so let's yeah, it just was, jump. It was, oh, sorry. I was just going to tack okay. onto that. Yeah, it was supposed to be produced by Mario Kassar, who did Terminator, Rambo, and Basic Instinct, like produced those. And then it was going to be directed by Richard Gray, who did The Lookalike. Uh, they were going to obviously make it like an American version. So they would have the protagonist, Sam Davis, and then the former ballerina would be Evie Lawrence. So I don't know. And then Gray, I guess, wrote the script. And then that's what I got from Bloody Disgusting. Hmm. Anyways, I'm, I'm glad it's just a Japanese uh, thing because, you know, it's kind of a little more terrifying <laughs> when you really yeah. can't understand what they're saying either. <laughs> Uh, so the movie starts out with a child walking through the halls of a hospital. Uh, he's on his way to see his terminally ill mother and he doesn't get there before the mother what dies. What is he giving her like dies. a fucking art project or something like that? I guess he made her. I thought he was making you know? the fucking volcano, you know, when you, <laughs> from like a school fair. <laughs> the baking soda. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck is this, this motherfucker doing with this shit? His mom's dying. She's like, oh, sick. That's what I always wanted yeah. to see. He's like, no, mom, you're sick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She dies with her husband at her side, uh, holding her hand. And cuts to seven years later, where uh, Shigehiko, who is the boy that we just saw, he's now older, fishing with his father, Shigeharu. Uh, They catch a fish that is more than large enough for the two of them, and they go home to make it for dinner, where they discuss how Shigeharu should get remarried. Because I guess it's been seven years, and I don't know. He looks... He's sad. Deprived. <laughs> or whatever the fuck they say. Yeah, um, and he's, it kind of pushes on the theme of loneliness, which runs through a lot of this film, and we'll talk about later why that's yes. important. At work, Shigeharu's uh, co-worker. I, a co-worker or a partner? I, I don't know what I had that dynamic now. is. That could be it, too. Uh, they talk about how lonely people in Japan are, and then when he's leaving the office, his secretary stops him uh, to let him know that she's getting married soon. He congratulates her, um, and then meets Yasuhisa Yoshikawa like at the bar downstairs. I'm assuming it's in the same building. Um, don't know. And what's up? I said, don't know. Doesn't doesn't, oh, yeah. doesn't show that it's magically there. And then they there they discuss the declining movie business that they're both in, um, and then thanks to, mostly thanks to the recession, I guess that's supposed to be taking place during this time period. And Yoshikawa makes some offhand comments about women after like a group of women who are eating nearby oh, start that's to like when they're like laughing and he's like stupid women, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, he shows some like real resentment. Yeah, he's them like not happy. He's not point. happy. They're happy. And he even says, like, yeah, Japan's finished. <laughs> um, and then asks, of course, for another drink. Uh, Shigeharu Japan's mentions, finished, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> not today, <laughs> Buster. <laughs> if it's going down, I am too. Uh, Shigeharu mentions he's looking to get remarried after his son mentioned that he looks dis- dispirited. That's the word that they use. Um, he says that he doesn't want an arranged marriage because he's above that, I guess, where he doesn't mm. agree with that, which I... 
agree with. Uh, I'm down for and, the arranged marriage. Yeah, you know, if it helps some people, but um, hmm, you know, I can't fix all incels. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. Supreme gentleman out there. Uh, but uh, he would like a young girl with some kind of talent because talents give you co- confidence. And he also proposes seeing many women so he can choose one that he feels fits him best. So he won't fail at marriage at his age. Because I guess, you know, Japanese in their culture, they're very prideful and to fail at something is a very sad disgrace, not to you, but I guess your family, your name. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of this, he also makes some comments about the women having confidence. The idea that an unconfident woman can cannot take care of herself in a home and therefore he would not want to be with an unconfident woman that he would be stuck taking care of and having to foot everything for. So he's, you know, obviously he has, he knows the, the type of woman that he wants and he feels very strongly about it. He wants a sexy yeah, young I'm, working woman. I'm going to go out on a limb, a limb and say, this is not misogynistic. I'm going to say, this is just truth that he's spitting. <laughs> oh my God. I, um, I think he's just a horny 50 year old man. Well, yeah, probably that too. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> I don't think any of us are 50, but... No. Well, no. We are I horny, feel, though. Am I, I right, feel boys? 50. I feel you're okay right ra- now. Your horny raise your hand. All right. Just me, okay? <laughs> anyway. You could have gotten away with that. Nobody can see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was about to say, like... <laughs> well, then, why didn't you raise your hand, Brady and Rob? I didn't raise my hand right either. Why didn't you call me out? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Olive Garden. You're leaving. I know, right? Because these two, these two are afraid, okay? They're afraid that their significant others are going to hear... Or C, and I ain't gonna stand for it. Oh, I tell Paige I'm horny all the time. She's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> She's like, yeah, and I'm trying to watch TV with my cat. Right, exactly. So, I mean, You're if like, I was horny right now, I'd say, yeah, I'm horny. <laughs> You'd probably hear her yell from the other room. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> you should just call her and say, hey, I got something to tell you. Can you, can you do says. something for me? <laughs> not that. Can uh, you just tell them that you're not going to do that? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, then laughing, Yoshikawa suggests holding an audition, but disguise it as an audition for a part in a movie this is like you know, peak dirty old men <laughs> yeah like, so let's just li- funnel in a bunch of these young women and pretend we're going to give them a part in a movie and then you're just going to pick your wife <laughs> this is literally what harvey weinstein went down for <laughs> like quite literally yeah and i mean the, the the string of questions that they ask is at, like they go from like okay that's that that's a reasonable question to why would you ask that you know what I appreciate every single question, um, <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Uh, in his car on the way home, uh, he hears an ad on the radio for the movie auditions, and Tomorrow's we get like, a glimpse. Yes, that's what they're gonna call it. And also, he says that the auditions he can't date the lead girl because they won't be unhappy. They'll be happy they have the lead, so he needs to date one of the the extras or backup, like the I don't know what you would call another actor actress in a movie. That I b- supporting supporting role, role yeah. because they'll be unhappy they didn't get the lead role, right? Mm-hmm. And then yep. we even get a glimpse of it playing in what we learned to be Asami's house. Uh, Shigeharu looks through a batch of applicants that they received for the roles, uh, looking through to see if there's any girls that stick out to him, uh, and he also looks at <laughs> the fucking photo of his dead wife, like <laughs> sitting on the and turns it. And he's, <laughs> Feeling real fucking uh, scummy and yeah. sorry for what he's doing, I guess. Ashamed. Uh, yeah. And, and this is when like he's looking through it and his son like just opens the door and walks right in. And it's the slowest I've ever seen anybody. It's almost like he's trying to cover like 
porn magazines. He's like, he like puts his arms over. He's and he's like, do you knock? Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Black Christmas when the fucking uh, what the what's that lady's name? The house mother. Oh, she's, like, she's putting covering her- up all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 When Claire's dad's there, yeah, yeah. But just like just the way he slowly does it, just looks at him like he's clear. Like it's almost like the second the door opens, he realizes, well, I can't cover all of this, so I'm just gonna <laughs> just lean on it and, and look him dead in the eyes and hope he maintains eye contact. But it's not even like he's looking at anything dirty, you know. That's what I'm saying. Like it's just it's it's just I don't know. It's shame. It's a, That's all it is. It's, it's just it's shame. It's a shameful display. My dad. I mean, for the longest time, like he and my mom got divorced when I was 14, and then I mean, my siblings were all super young too, but. He was always like, I can't get remarried until your like youngest sister is 18. And then after like 10 years, I was like, look, you got to do something. You were just like an unbearably bitter man. Like, please, for all of us, you don't have to wait until she's 18 for you to like move on with your life. Just do it now. So I get it. Anytime that he like even mentioned anybody mentioned a girl, he'd like turn red and be like, try to like, like not talk about it. Or he just looked ashamed and embarrassed. So, I mean, that part I got. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, there's a little <laughs> glimpse into my life. Uh, Yoshikawa calls saying that he'd like to hold auditions next week and tells Shigaharu to choose 30 applicants. And Shigaharu, Shigaharu like, is like 30. Like, what the fuck? That's a lot. Um, he feels a bit overwhelmed uh, comparing it to when he kind of bought his first car. Uh, he gets a bit of coffee on one of the applications and he pulls it out to clean it off. And it's like fate, man. He falls in love. Right then and there, uh, the girl is beautiful. She plays piano and did ballet for 12 years before she damaged her hip at the age of 18, saying she didn't know if she could make it as an actress, but ballet was her dream. And it's like she died with uh, the dream after her injury. Mm-hmm. And I guess it also says that she learned to accept death because of that. And he found that poetic. Uh, he comes out of his office to walk gong. Not their gang? Dogs. Gang, gang, gang. Uh, and, and finds Shigehiko with his new lady friend. I forget her name right now because I didn't write it down. Um, that he brought home. Jap- saying, Japanese schoolgirl one. Yes. <laughs> saying that he always saw her on the train and thought she was cute. So he decided to talk to her. And then she said she was interested in biology and wanted to see his books. And I think she was interested in biology, all right? She was trying to make the fucking biology book. Mm-hmm. They were worrying about dinosaurs, man. Uh, Yoshikawa and Shigaharu begin the auditions. Shigaharu saying he feels like a criminal, but part. he's ready. I feel like a criminal, but, but I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a rush. Uh, they meet with several candidates, asking questions, recording them. And Yoshikawa leads the process, asking girls to smile or walk a little. Uh, he takes notes and says uh, he hopes that Shigaharu hasn't changed his mind. But Shigaharu's just a little nervous, that's all. But in all actuality, he's just waiting for Asami, the applicant that he took notice of earlier when he was fucking up the applications. And then we see, like... <laughs> Girls cheerleading, yeah. Uh, one in a swimsuit, yeah. Uh, dude, my favorite. No, the, I'm wondering which one. one's your favorite, Kyle. <laughs> the one that's like my agent specializes in porn, yeah. Uh, she's the one that takes her top then, off. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that too. But Yoshikawa's like, yeah, save her for another job. <laughs> one with the porn. <laughs> this reminds me of uh, Van Wilder when he's trying to get, uh, he's trying to get an assistant, yeah. I think Van Wilder um, did it first, though. But that one that's getting undressed. Whoo, 
you know I was liking that. Uh, Asami comes in, a quiet, reserved lady, uh, and Yoshikawa begins to go through some leading questions about who represents her, how she lives without a job, and asking if she'd like to live a luxurious life. But Shigeharu then finally opens up, asking her about ballet and saying he was impressed about how seriously she took her life and her dreams. Mm-hmm. They take a break after seeing Asami, Yoshikawa concluding that Shigeharu knew that he liked her before all the interviews, uh, but also saying that there's something about her that he doesn't like, and he doesn't know exactly what it is. Yeah. 80% of this film, Yoshikawa is throwing up the red flags. Another <laughs> yeah, thing he's too, like, uh, Yoshikawa is trying to be a bro this whole film, and he's like, man, do you even know where she lives? But I love her. He's the ultimate okay. bro. He's the ultimate wingman. He fucking was like, bro, how about we set up an audition, a fake audition to get you some pussy? And Shigeharu said, damn, I knew I loved you. Maybe we should... Never mind, I'll just stop now. Uh, <laughs> they always... And another um, thing, too, I don't know if it's like... The, um, since we had the, the, um, the, with the subtitles on, they always say, like, let me be frank or something like that a lot of times in this movie. And he's like, I'm just going to be frank with you. And like, I feel like... I don't know why they always did that. Like, uh, It's probably just a certain phrase that that's the closest yeah. translation. Because yeah. um, I know there's a... Like, does he say that to the one girl? Like, let me be frank. Did you ever do porn or something like that? Or would yeah. you do porn or something like that? Yeah. Well, that kind uh, of direct questioning is unusual. Like invasive questioning. It's unusual in, in the culture. Yeah. So and I think that's why he kind of puts that preface in before. Be frank. Yeah. But then someone else says it I mean, later and then someone else does too. It's not it's it's not like a bar in New York where you just walk up to somebody asking that question. They were at home, Shigaharu tells his son that the girl he brought home looked nice, but Shigehiko says he doesn't understand girls at all. So then Shigeharu goes into his office, calls Asami, and they set up a date to meet during the day so they can talk more. Right after, Yoshikawa calls to let him know that uh, her representative from Ace Records that was supposed to represent Asami has been missing for about a year and a half. Yeah, completely missing. No trace. Eh, nothing. You know, nothing to worry about. Well, I mean, you know, it happens. Does it, know? though? She does say that she hasn't talked to him in a while, so that could be why. She did have an out on that yeah. one, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then at lunch, uh, he says he won't ask any special questions so she can relax. And she says, just enjoying food and talking? That's the best request I've ever had. Exactly in that accent, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does ask about Mr. Shibata from the record company, but she oh, admits that she... Ne- Yes. <laughs> uh, she admits that she never actually met him. She was just advised to say that she has because it'd be too hard to get a role without an yeah. agency. It seemingly goes well, and Asami asks if she can talk with Shigaharu again, and it'd be uh, it'd be wonderful, even if it's just on the phone, and they part ways. During the, a break, Shigaharu tells Yoshikawa that he doesn't care about the movie, and he's made his choice with Asami. Uh, and then Yoshikawa says he'll worry about the movie, but he still doesn't trust Asami. It's, he looked into the bar. It's what? too good to be true. Yes. Yeah, he's like, and you tell me we auditioned 30 girls and the perfect one just randomly yeah. walks in the door? Like, well, yeah. I, Isn't that I the just, point of the whole audition? Yeah, right. I, just think, like, the point. I, think, I think Yoshikawa was just like, listen, we were gonna, we, we get you a 6 out of 10, buddy, but like we were not shooting for 10 out of 10. That is, that is either a unicorn or a murderer. 
And then he looked into the bar. He, uh, she said she worked at, and no one has heard of her. But Shigeharu says that he wasn't born yesterday and he doesn't care about the opinions of anyone else. He yeah, found his match. What? I was like, Yoshikawa clearly says, like, I literally can't complete a background check on this person. Like, I can't find anybody. Well, it's kind of weird that, like, he says he contacted the bar, even though later we find out that there, there is no bar yeah, right. anymore. Right. So, like, I don't understand that whole part. Uh, or maybe you're supposed to forget, or they just... Plot holes. Yeah, forgot. I, I, I don't know. Um, Plot but he, voids. Shigeharu says he found his match through the audition, and he can take care of himself. Anything that needs to be fixed, he'll fix. And then, before he can leave, though, Yoshikawa just asks him to promise not to talk to her for a while and go slow. He hopes he's wrong. And cool down. But this this will greatly affect his life. So, Shigeharu says, sure. I'll do that for you. I promise. And then while he sleeps, he dreams of his deceased wife. And we see Asami sitting on the floor in her room, just watching the phone, waiting for a phone call. <laughs> like all <laughs> like hunched over. Looking. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, this definitely disturbing. And Shigeharu takes off for work the next day. Um, his housekeeper, I guess that's who she would be, noting mm-hmm. that she, uh, she he, wait, how did I say that? Shigeharu takes off work. The next day, um, his housekeeper noting that she never seen him take off before, but since his wife died, he's raised a son by himself and started a successful company. Also saying that she's sure he has a nice girlfriend, which kind of causes him to smile and glance at the phone because he really wants to call her again. Well, this is before this too. Um, he, it's like him back at work, I think. And then his secretary is like, okay, I'm leaving now. And it's like, no, that, well, that's right now. And then stares at him. And then it goes back to him just looking at the phone. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand what's the point of that. The secretary just uh, of what? the secretary come and said, "Okay, I'm leaving." Well, I, I think, think that comes. You find out later. Comes yeah. yeah, you find out later on that one. Okay, Mark was sleeping by then. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um. So yeah, his is uh. I guess I thought she was. We said secretary. Right? I guess it's I, a secretary. I, yeah, because like in the beginning she seems like a secretary, but then she just seems like. One of his employees later, because mm-hmm. there's a whole like office of him. Yeah. But I still, would, yeah, I think I she was like his secretary. assistant or secretary. Yeah, um, she says goodnight. Um, looking at him with a bit of concern as he focuses on his work. But then when she leaves, like Mark said, he's like looking up at the, he's looking at the phone and he picks it up to call Asami, then hangs it up instead. He goes to walk away and then he's like, "No, fuck that! I'm tired of being a bitch. I'm tired of dying." I'm going in. So he fucking gives her a call. And then in her home, still sitting on the floor, hunched over, she smirks as the phone starts to ring. And a sack, like large burlap sack, just starts rolling around. I gotta say, up until this point, this is when I was like, what the fuck are we watching? This is like an (laughs) hour into the movie, too. Yeah, and this movie like is pretty long, like compared to the other movies we've been watching. But I was like... Hopefully Kyle picks a short film next. I was like, what the fuck are we doing? Is this like a romantic comedy? Like, I, I don't... Is it? I mean, like, it kind of funny follows, up to this point. Well, I mean, the funny part was when they're like auditioning all the girls. So it's, oh yeah, that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, this marks a bit of like like a bit of a tone hiccup. Yeah, this is like when I was like, oh, well, maybe there's a little sign of something, and the bag fucking moves, and she just smirks. Like, I think the smirk was creepier for me than the bag moving. Yeah, and the tone. There's a bit of a droning sound going on in the background, yeah. and that sounds familiar to me because that type of sound effect is used in Ichi quite a bit. Like to symbolize madness, or mm. I, I keep saying the word depravity because, like, that tends to be uh, 
the style of Takashi Miike, from what I understand or what I've seen. But yeah, I did not expect that bag to move. When that bag literally was like, there's definitely a dead person in that bag. And then like the bag was said, oh, that is not dead. Okay. <laughs> this, I don't know what's happening now. So they meet up again. Asami saying that she might sound desperate, but she was afraid that he wouldn't call her again. And she's excited to see him again. And then Shigaharu asks her about her family. And she says they just moved away because her father likes to golf. And Chiba is a more convenient spot for that. Uh, he asks if she still works at the bar and she says she does, but her boss likes to interfere in her personal life. So it's best if he doesn't visit her there. Hmm. Red flag, red flag. Uh, yeah, I still work here. Don't come there ever. <laughs> <laughs> These are just Don't. signal flares at this point. Just do not. Uh, he tells her that the movie is on hold and will most likely fall through, but she says that she's just glad she got to meet him and she never thought she'd get the main role anyway. She also says that it's hard living alone because she has no one to talk to that men have approached her, but Shigaharu is the only one that accepted her and tries to get to know her. So then on the ride home, he says that he'd like to eat dinner with her again, and she asks when that will be and apologizes for pushing him, but he says he'll call her, and she gets out like at a random spot like on a, the side on of the a bridge. Room. No, that's not a bridge. It's like, isn't that right on the street somewhere? I think it, like, was a, it looked like a bridge. I thought she was going to jump off. Like a bus stop. Um, Shigaharu goes into Shigahiko's room to tell him about Asami, but Shigahaku or Shigahiko, sorry, already guessed that Shigaharu had a girlfriend. And Shigaharu tells him that she's 24. He hasn't proposed yet, but they are going away for the weekend and he'll meet her soon. And he's going to ask to propose this weekend. He's going to propose this weekend. Yeah. Mm And it's funny because like Shiga, he goes like, damn, she's like my age. <laughs> and then his dad was like, you want some too? Eiffel Tower, motherfucker. Hell oh. yeah. High five. We must have been watching different subtitles. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Maybe I was watching other auditions, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on their getaway Shigaharu tries to come up with things to do before they go out to dinner and as he's coming up with ideas Asami turns off the lights and starts to undress herself and climbs into bed under the sheets asking Shigaharu to come to her and he said oh I'll come to your arm (laughs) Uh, he goes to take off his clothes and she tells him not to take off his clothes yet and just look at her body she pulls the bottom of the sheet up revealing scars on her legs where she says she burned herself when she was younger and tells him she wants him to know everything about her and then pulls the sheets off of the rest of her. Uh, He tells her she's very beautiful and she tells him to love her, only her. And when he agrees, she says that everybody says they will, but she hopes that he's different from the other guys and that he will only love her. He takes off his jacket and climbs on top of her. And boy, did I thought I think we were about to get the real porn, but we didn't. Uh, just transitions to him waking up in a bed alone. Phone starts ringing. I also didn't understand this one scene because like it moves so fast. Like when he jumps on top of her, like for a second, I was like, "Oh, is, is she like killing him?" I thought like, it looked, like it, she was going to turn on top and like start riding him. Honestly, that's what I, I thought, thought she was going to like go basic instinct and like go on top and then like kill him. But uh, anyway, spoiler. Then it's just him looking all fucking drugged. <laughs> Yeah, he, he uh, does not know where he is. Yeah. 
uh, it's the front desk, and they apologize for calling so late, like eight fucking times. They just keep saying, "Like, hey, I'm sorry, it's real late. I, like, I'm sorry, I'm calling you late." By the way, Sam I'm sorry, must have auditioned for this role. <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, and they wanted to know if he was staying since his partner Asami left, and like. What fucking hotel in real life would be like, hey, we saw the other person that we saw come in with you, like, leave, so we were just wondering, like, I know it's, like, two in the morning, but are you planning on staying the rest of the night? We've yeah. ca- tried calling three fucking times, but we're just gonna keep calling. You still staying? It'd be, like, Motel 8 or whatever it is. We just want to make sure somebody is still here to pay. <laughs> <laughs> but that guy looks like a fucking robot from the front desk. It was. He's, like, staring off into nothingness. He's like, Hey, just wondering if maybe he was nervous. Maybe, Damn, Kyle. He was also dressed pretty nice for being awake in the middle of a fucking night at a hotel. Hey, just for the job you want, not the job you have. You know, Brady. That's probably why all of us are dressed like fucking uh, <laughs> dog shit right now. Yeah. What are you talking about? You're not even wearing pants. <laughs> You're right, but I do have a shirt on. <laughs> Uh, Yoshikawa and Shigaharu go into a conference room and Shigaharu tells Yoshikawa everything and that he's called Asami several times but she hasn't answered and uh, Shoids gets dropped off at a running point in the street so he doesn't know where she lives because she doesn't get dropped off in front of her house. (laughs) All red flags. Uh, He says that he wants to talk to her face to face since he thinks that there was a misunderstanding. I'd say so. And that uh, and then Asks Yoshikawa if he could find her address for him. And he says, forget about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is Yoshikawa's last trying to, like, saving grace here. And he's going to look for like, her by himself. Yep. Yeah, he says he's getting too excited over a young girl. <laughs> Ask him what the fuck's the matter with him. I think Harvey wants uh, to watch this movie. He said, I'm going to do this. Him of, uh, he said, he said you're, you're becoming a skirt chaser. Something like, yeah. something like that. And he's like, I thought you could fix any problem, you know? I thought you could fix anything that came up. So then Shigaharu's like, fine, I don't need your help. I'll find her by myself. And then Shigaharu looks at the application again and decides to go to uh, look into the ballet studio that she listed, finding it now boarded up. He goes inside anyway, finding Pulling the wood down of like abandoned place, it looked like, kind of. Yeah, because he hears a little bit of piano playing inside. And he's like, oh, wait, she plays piano. Maybe she's in there. Who, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And he finds a man in a wheelchair. Uh, he asks if he's Mr. Shibata and the man tells him to go away. But Shigaharu says he just wants to know where he wants to know how to find Asami. The man laughs, turning to Shigaharu and asking things like, did you see her? Did you hear her voice? Her. Did you touch her body? Did you hold her in your arms? How was that? Was it good? Did you smell her? And then he laughs. He's a creepy guy. And we get flashbacks of Asami dancing as a child. And then that man burning her leg where the scars were that we saw earlier. And then the man just tells like, Shigaharu, like, yeah, just go home. He gets up and has like <laughs> some fake ass legs or like stone yeah, legs. Prosthetics. Yeah, they look like somebody <laughs> just dipped his legs in like concrete and he just never took it yeah. off himself. Looks like it they all... put the bottom half of Frankenstein on him. It almost looked like, and I don't know if this was what it was, but like it looked like he was wearing somebody else's feet. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, maybe because like, it looked like rotting flesh on top of his feet, and then it looked like there was like wire holding it together. So, like, being that we know that down the line there's something involving with feet missing, 
uh, I was always, I started to wonder like, is that that person's feet he's wearing? Like, and then, I, I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Hmm. And then watching his face um, in a bathroom, Shigahara remembers the address of the Stonefish Bar Asami says she works at. So he goes to find it. And he, as he's walking down the stairs to the bar, a passerby tells him that nobody's there and that the bar has been closed over a year since the uh, old owner was murdered. Shigaharu asks the man if he knew Asami, but uh, the man says that he doesn't know if anybody else working there besides the owner. The owner usually works. <laughs> and alone. this part too, when he's like, he was he's like, why was he murdered? Yeah, <laughs> like that. That's, why was he murdered? I wonder if that was like a translation yeah. thing. That's such a funny because thing. that's a a very it, odd thing to ask. I would think that, the, that that that's a literal translation, but I'm gonna imagine that they what they were kind of going for was like, do you know what the motive was? Right. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I'm like, the guy dumb. says oh, um, the man- he saw blood coming out from under the door because the building was oh, built it was slanted. Stage. The building was built yeah. on a, t- a tilt. Yeah, and he mentioned that um, extra fingers, tongues that he liked to play around uh, or the woman, it was a woman who owned it. Yes. Right, and that she liked to play around with a guy who was into drugs and other things like that. Like and basically was, trying to say like that she was not a reputable individual. Yeah. And uh, something about how there was a rumor that she was having an affair with somebody, a man in the music business. Yeah. Ooh, mm, mm. The record company. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. And then uh, he, he, the neighbor goes on to say like oh yeah there's another like weird detail nothing serious though but there was some extra body parts that were just kind of flung about a couple fingers a tongue feet i don't even mention the feet one but like he mentioned the tongue and the fingers he says that they were cut into pieces so then when the police were collecting the parts to put them back together that's where they found three extra fingers an ear and an extra tongue yeah it's like playing Humpty Dumpty and you got extra parts. And then you get a shot of like the tongue like <laughs> on the ground. It reminded me of a Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> me too, honestly. Yeah. And, and then Shigaharu you... starts to have like a fucking heart attack. Oh, well, I, I was about to say like to, to me, this is where you're you're kind of starting to like question yourself like okay, what's going on here? Like is he is he delving into madness? Is he seeing things? Like are we like what's I don't know. There's you start to ask questions about is this lucid or not? Well, I assume that that tongue thing was just in his head. He was just picturing like somebody yeah. finding the extra parts. I mean, I, I don't think the fact I've that ever... it scared him so much is just. I'm so going to say like there have been some unfortunate things that have come to mind. I don't think anything's ever viscerally scared me into a corner. Yeah, he act like he actually saw it. Um... <laughs> I choked on air. He actually was picturing it in his head. He got viscerally scared. Right, he saw the tongue. At Shigeharu's house, the housekeeper leaves after feeding Gong, and we get a first-person view of someone entering the house, Some evil locking dead the door, mm-hmm. going into yeah. the office, seeing Shigeharu's wife's photo, and walking about the house looking at his bottle of alcohol. Dude, that camera went right to that photo, too. There was yeah. no playing around. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I know it's in here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> yeah, I also wanted to point out that I, did, I didn't really notice it at first, but um, after... The camera for most of the film stays pretty well fixed, right? Good, mm-hmm. so, good solid rigging. But I noticed that after that, from the point after he wakes up and her disappearance, right? And the more that he starts to learn about what's good, like starts to uncover some stuff, you might notice on a rewatch that the camera gets shakier and gets more unstable. 
it's hmm. from the, like that from the beginning. Cause I noticed that one of the first couple shots, like I was like, it looks like they don't have this set up like on a, um, a mount or anything. It looks like okay. somebody's just holding it. I, I feel think like that's more noticeable, the, but like, you're probably right. They probably just shoulder mounted and we're like, yeah, All right, let's do it. I think it just had to do with the low budget or production, honestly. Um, but yeah, so then Shigeharu gets home and he has a voicemail from Shigehiko saying that he's staying at his friend's house tonight and feed Gong when he comes out from under the house. Don't know what the fuck that means, but uh, he's hanging on the cross base, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sits in his chair, gets a drink from the alcohol bottle and visibly starts the to alcohol feel bottle. off. Yeah, well, that's what it is. A bottle of alcohol. The undisclosed drink. The liqueur. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he tries to get up to shake it off, but he falls over into a dream about his first date with Asami, where she explains that she was abused as a child, going through the different scenarios with him, and says until her mother remarried a man, or remarried to a man whose legs didn't work, but he hated her so much, and she sat home all day waiting for her mother to get home. Then it transitions to the second dinner, where she says that she danced to bring out herself out of darkness and she didn't want to kill herself anymore uh, she calls him darling and then Shigeharu looks over to the table next to him where his wife the younger version of his son uh, Shigehiko and his new girlfriend forget her fucking name are all like looking at him uh, he says that this is a good opportunity to introduce them introduce them and introduces uh, Ryoko to Asami and Ryoko says that she isn't good for him. But Shigeharu tells her that Asami's a fine woman. <laughs> and, uh, Ryoko says, nah. Don't marry no. her. Yeah. Uh, and then we are in Asami's home and she says that she wants him right now and like dives at him trying to undo his pants. She's trying to suck and him she off. she unzips him. <laughs> yeah. You know what I was said? Uh, this reminded me of Freddy Got Finger. He was like, no, Betty. No. No, Betty. No. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Is that the part Freddy got fingered? No. Oh. That's the part with the fucking uh the the, the cord. Mm. Uh taped it there for fun. Uh, just for fun. Yeah. Um she unzips his pants and stops, and then she turns into his secretary, who says that they made love once and asks if it was just a mistake. So that's the part where yeah. that all pays off, the secretary being fucking weird. Uh, and then she turns back to Asami, who says that she loves to uh, pleasure him and will do anything. And he tries to get away from her, and she turns into uh, uh, Misuzu, who is the son's girlfriend, mm. girl, who laughs and at his heart on. <laughs> She's like, you've got a heart on. He's like, well, yeah, you were about to suck my wiener. So, I mean, that's what happens, right? Uh, he tries to run away but stumbles over a giant sack on the floor and he walks over to it. But it wasn't his sack. No, no, no. No, no, no. Not like Randy from South Park. Could be be some symbolism. (laughs) Could be. Uh, He nudges it with his foot and then he goes to look inside and it starts thrashing about and out crawls a person missing their feet and uh, their one hand is missing three fingers. I just got to stop here for a second. Mm -hmm. I just got to ask. Did any of you expect this to accelerate the way it does? Well, once the um, once he hit the floor, like when he was trying to stand up, like stand and then hit the floor, like I kind of was like, okay, I think this is where we're about to go. Uh, yeah, only because I was expe- like at this point, you're like, 
an hour and 10 hour and 20 into a two hour movie. So I was like, something has got to be happening soon. And then when it was the dream sequence switching, especially to like his son's friend, I was like, yeah, this is definitely the part where something happens, but I, I wasn't expecting them to like yes. show. Yeah. I wasn't expecting this at all, especially what happens in this whole scene, especially his dinner. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. That's yeah. I was trying to eat my dinner. That wasn't working too well. <laughs> Uh, Sami walks out with a like dog bowl to feed the person like this milky substance. Well, she um, goes into the kitchen and you like hear her. She vomits yeah. into the yeah. bowl. Oh, vomit. is that what yeah, it is? She's like, oh, yeah. she's, <laughs> she's she's in the kitchen and you hear her going, uh, uh, and yeah. realize that she vomited into that bowl and she's feeding him vomit. That was a lot of vomit though. Like, that was what? a pretty bowl. And I'm this wondering if you going up. <laughs> this movie might be going up for me. And and questionable here. Why was the vomit that color? And why did he lap it up so fast? He's hungry. Yummy. Oishi. Except you can't say it because he doesn't have a tongue. Um, but you can clearly see him like when his face is in it, he's clearly like <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. his tongue. Yeah. He's not supposed to have a tongue. Yeah. Um, Asami becomes young and asks him to only love her. And then that's when the man in the wheelchair comes in, gets up. Uh, and then crawls over to Asami to burn her leg again, uh, you know, in torture, and tells her to dance. Then Shigeharu, yeah, dance for me. Shigeharu steps in uh, when the man goes to burn Asami, but it transitions to the dance studio. The man playing piano again is is playing piano again, and Asami comes from behind, wrapping piano wire around his neck, pulling it tight uh, so it cuts into his neck, and then she starts to like tighten it until eventually cuts right off and throughout this whole part in the dance studio we're getting flashes of like a bunch of different shit that we've seen already in the movie and creepy weird shit yeah i took it as like some of the conversations that he was having on those past dates i always i kind of thought it was like oh wait because he was so blinded by love like we didn't see these conversations like these were red flag conversations that happened and now he's kind of fever dreaming it like wait a minute wait a minute okay Mm -hmm. And like, it's all yeah. in the words of Celine Dion. It's all coming back to me now. Yeah, yeah. Well, well yeah. played, sir. <laughs> because his son, I forgot. I guess we didn't mention it earlier. He's his son. Literally says like, "Oh well, I have to meet her because like then I'll see if I prove or not because love is blinding." Yep. So I'll see yeah. anything you don't. But he <laughs> get that fucking chance. So, <laughs> um, and then back in Shigeharu's house, he's laying on the floor, incapacitated, and he sees Asami. And then at Asami's feet is Gong, who is now dead. Oof, poor dog. The only part I don't like about the movie. Uh, yeah, me too. She walks in, clears some furniture to get ready to inject him with something, saying that he'll be paralyzed, but he'll still have full sensation. So he can't move, but he can still feel pain. Your skin is like super sensitive to pain or something like that is the what the subtitle Yeah, I it's have. almost like it like it, yeah the way it seemed like what she was saying is like yeah it completely immobilizes you but it also hypersensitizes your nerve endings yeah mm-hmm. she grabs his tongue and injects him and his flailing body comes to a standstill aside from like a few tremors uh she rolls him over lays <laughs> down like a tarp <laughs> and then rolls him back onto it while she's wearing some pretty... like dominatrix stuff yeah she's wearing like yeah like a um uh, what are like the Silent Hill character over here? Mm. Like a smock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got like a BDSM smock. Uh, yeah. And she's and she's matching to get picked for the role in the movie, and, and that he only picked her to have sex with her. 
Mm-hmm. This is what she says to him okay. here while she's like rolling them around. Yeah. And she grabs some needles and begins to stick them into his abdomen. He's writhing in pain, even though I thought he wasn't supposed to be able to move. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's head's coming up off the floor. His whole body was like <laughs> I, fucking. Well, left. I guess it's like an involuntary reaction. Right? A feather, just, thick as a board. I took it is that it hurt so much that he was like every part of him was fighting against that drug, but it was just losing that battle. Yeah. Yeah, uh, she tells him that words create lies, but pain, pain can be trusted. As the needles stick Ugh. out of his Ugh. stomach, yeah, she and as she's like sticking the needles in, she keeps saying, uh, like, "Deeper, guess, deeper, deeper." Oh, yeah, deeper. so good. That's the best part of the whole movie. With the way she yeah. says, ning, 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 ning. But I don't know if that's what she's doing. Well, I think it's that's like, what is it, Kiri? Kiri, Kiri? Oh, so good. As the needles stick out of his stomach, he lays his head like back and. She mounts him. Yeah, she like thrust, passing right over she, like, the needles. Thrust forward over those motherfuckers. That's your problem. And I was like, hurt. those needles must have like gone inside of her. Yeah, too, right? right. You would think they would stab. I her. think they, were, I think they would just bend over, no? Because they're like so long. Let's try it. Either that or push uh, down deeper. Yeah. Either way, it probably ain't <laughs> feeling good for him. Um, she puts his head straight and then sticks needles under his eyes. Oh. She <sighs> asks about. And it, I, I just gotta say, I just gotta say, like you don't see her sticking into his eyes, but like you're kind of from his perspective as she's doing it but just the sound the way they're using audio oh yeah and then yeah. she says it she's like this part under your eye is like also one of the most sensitive parts yeah because she says there's like the abdomen or the stomach is the most sensitive mm-hmm. and then she says oh, there's one more spot and then when she's sticking them under his eyes she's like and under the eyes <laughs> that's what i thought it was gonna be uh she asks about shigehiko and says he needs to feel pain for Shigahado to understand. And when he says to stay away from his son, she calls him a liar because he told her that he'd only love her. She notes that she only has him and he has many people, but she doesn't want to be one of those people because even if she gives him everything, he won't be hers completely. Everybody is is the same. Everybody. Um, And while she says this, she is like shackling his feet together uh, I think that's what's supposed to be just like shackles, yeah, shackles right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. don't flail about, I guess. Um, she takes out the piano wire, noting that it can cut through bone and flesh easily. She wraps around his left ankle and starts a song motion, going back and forth, <sighs> smiling as she does so, uh, and till the wire pulls through completely, and she cuts his fucking foot off. Throws it at the fucking door. Yep. <laughs> nice solid thud. Yep. And then she wraps it around the other ankle uh, and starts to do the song motion again. But as she's doing this, she stops because she hears the front door open and Shigehiko calls out for his father. She grabs like some sort of spray and runs off. And then Shigehiko calls out saying his friend got sick and had to call an ambulance. Uh, he says that if his dad is still awake or he asks if his dad's still awake and then he walks into the room <laughs> finding his dad on the floor and he's just like, Dad? What happened to you? <laughs> What's up, <laughs> dog? My fucking foot's missing. What do you mean? <laughs> like, I get shock and everything, but yeah, you're like, yeah. I, I don't know. That's but just this is where, like, like, what happened? This is where, like, all of a sudden, like, Asami then emerges slowly from the door behind uh, Shigehiko, and, like, Shigahara is on the ground, and he's like, eyes go wide, and he's trying to, like, warn him. And Shigehiko turns around, like, I feel like just as he's turning around, all of a sudden, he jumps mm-hmm. right back to the hotel 
and now he's in bed with Asami and everything is okay. And he is obviously very, very confused. He like looks at his leg and gets out and goes to the bathroom, starts like washing his face and panicking in the mirror because he's like, What the fuck am I dreaming? And this killer sleeping right next you to me. We don't know and we don't know. <laughs> and at this point I was like, What the fuck is going on with this movie? So it all, I went from earlier being like, What the fuck, Rob? to what the fuck, Rob? Like <laughs> <laughs> And as he's watching his face, Asami like approaches from behind, asking if he is okay. Um, they go back to bed and lay awake, and she says that she accepts his proposal. Um, she he's rolls like, over. Proposal? Yeah, he's like, "Wait, what? <laughs> proposal? Oil? Oil? That <laughs> <laughs> oil, bitch? You cooking?" <laughs> uh, she rolls over, laying her head onto his body. And says, of all the girls who auditioned, she was the luckiest because she became the real heroine, not in the movie. And then Shigeharu closes his eyes to fall back asleep and then comes back to hearing Asami again saying deeper, deeper. Um, and then we see like her, well, that's what we hear. But then we see her approaching again, Shigehiko from behind. So this doesn't make sense to me because beforehand... You could clearly she sprays sees she sprays the sun, and then it goes to this little dream sequence, and then it starts over again, and then she doesn't she's like further away when she sprays. Mm-hmm. That's an editor and error right there. Mm. I don't think it is, man. I think it was a trick. They tricked your ass, and it worked. They tricked me. But I love uh-huh. how the second time that they show her and she sprays, like she clearly like fires that mace way too That's far what I'm away. Saying. She's, she's like right nine away. feet away and from right, <laughs> and right away she's like, I shouldn't have bought this at Walmart. <laughs> This was a mistake. <laughs> but also, she, when she sprays it, she doesn't like hold it down. She gives like a little yeah. Like it's a like perfect, an air freshener. Like, it's like some yeah. or It's something. almost like she's never sprayed it before, and then she's like, "Huh?" And then like he backs <laughs> up, and he and he, he like backs up. He's like, "Who are you?" And then she's like, she's like, pss, pss, like sprays two more times. She's like, "This is not. I need to get in." And then that's when she starts chasing Shigehiko. And Shigehiko was like, "You know what?" I'm not going to follow a horror movie trope. I'm going to kick my survival instincts in. And he runs and he goes right up to the stairwell. And he, as he's coming up the stairwell, uh, he eats it, like falls at the top of the stairs there. And she figures that I got to close the gap here and I'm going to jump on top of him and mace this little boy. And she's getting him pretty good because you hear him being like, oh, oh, oh God. Oh. But just as she's on top of him, I mean, he kicks that Super Bowl field goal from a mile away and just launches her off the top of the steps. Yep. Falling onto the ground and assuming from what you can see at the bottom of the steps, breaking her neck. Um, and there's like that weird twitching thing that her neck does. Yeah, oh, like yeah. Pulsating. I thought it was going to be like an alien. That's what I thought. Yeah, so. I was like, okay. Yeah, I'm like, okay, movie, what are we doing now? Xenomorph comes out. <clears throat> Anyways, yeah. Konnichiwa! All right. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah yeah he goes uh back down the stairs to uh his father who tells him to call the police and he does and shigaharu like looks to asami as they both lay there and she's talking to him repeating all the lines that she said earlier to him like i thought you were a busy man i don't know what you do very well you may think i am desperate i was longing for your call i did i didn't think i would see you again sorry i'm pretty excited Living alone was a hassle. I have nobody to talk to. You are the first one who is really warm-hearted and tries to accept me and tries to understand who I really am. And then... Clearly rehearsed predatory lines. Yes. Like, it's coming out, like, 
almost like robotic. A, well, she yeah. said it. Isn't like, it the same stuff she said earlier in the movie? Yeah, it's the same exact line she says from the earlier in the movie. Yeah, That's it just shows that like this is like, and she said before, it's almost as if she said like, "Oh, you're just like the rest of them." So you're kind of led to believe that she has this this predatory routine down yes. and has done this before. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it ends with Shigeharu's voice. It's like a voiceover saying, "It's hard to overcome that experience, but someday you'll feel that life is wonderful. That's life, isn't it?" And then we see Asami as a child putting on her dance shoes before it goes black to the credits. Then it has like some Japanese like K-pop playing. Yeah. Well, Japanese K-pop, wouldn't that be? Yeah, that's the point. K-pop. <laughs> and that's everything. That's uh, Audition, 1999. Audition. Audition. Okay. All right. Pretty sure that's so how it's pronounced. Rob goes last, right? Because yes. he picked it. Yes, sir. I'll go first, okay. I guess. Because oh, I, ne- I never go first. Um, oh, I'm the cool guy. <laughs> so I got to admit, I was pretty nervous when you picked this one and you said it had to be like it was a movie with subtitles because in the past I've had a lot of issues like focusing on movies with subtitles because I feel like I lose some some of it by focusing so much on like what they're saying and I, I lose stuff in the scenes. But the last movie with subtitles I watched was maybe like six, seven years ago. Yeah, um, but you watched all of uh, Squid Game, right? I did not. Oh, you didn't watch Squid Game yet? No, no, no. I watched it. Um, but I watched so practice. We, uh, when I started this, I think right right off the bat, it's like great cinematography, especially for like 1999. Like especially, I think when they're fishing, I loved that because I was like, man, that water looks fucking great in the scene on the rocks. And then throughout the whole movie, everything is just shot beautifully, and it starts off as a really slow burn and just from what what the podcast is a horror podcast. So I was trying to figure out when it was going to kick in, when it was going to like start really like kicking it up a notch. And then when it finally does, it's not so much kicking it up a notch as it is just like starting a descent into the madness and it fucks with you. And so I really loved all of the movie, not just the second half where things start, um, start i guess unraveling for them um i wasn't as impressed with the torture scene as i thought i was going to be when it started like it's pretty bad but uh, overall like it it didn't leave me feeling queasy or uneasy more than when he's like looking up the vomit in the bowl that was probably the most like visceral reaction i had to the movie um and then i just I like the themes it has in it, man. Like, especially like, I'm sure you're going to talk about it, Rob, but like the culture in Japan and, you know, some people say it's feminist and some people say it's misogynistic, this, this movie, but I think it's a a good, um, has good thematic material about just like gender roles, especially in cultures like the Japanese have, um, and how it gets reversed in this movie. Um, so that being said, I mean, I don't really know. Like, we don't really have kills, right? No. I mean, there are, but I I don't think this is one worth talking about that kind of stuff. Yeah, Yeah. I I think probably the the best scene in the movie for me um, was, I guess, yeah, probably the torture scene. Because I I think it was well done, even though it, it didn't necessarily knock me off my feet. And the scene I hated the most was him licking up the puke um, in the dog bowl. 
So I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um, because like I said, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I don't know if I would watch this movie again right away, um, but it definitely made me want to watch more movies like it. So thanks for picking it. You're welcome. Actually, you know what? 4.5. Wow. Give it a 4.5. Damn. So that, that's, that's my review. I'll go next. So I like this movie a lot. And like Brady said, it kind of made me want to, I mean, I've seen like Squid Game, I think was my big break into Asian cinema and like reading subtitles. Well, not, not really. I guess doc- technically documental was because um, I was never a big like subtitle guy. I refuse. You're also subtitles. Welcome. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I refuse to read like subtitles, but um, for the most part, but when Rob had me watch documental, he, he was like, I promise you, like, it's really good. It's worth it. And I watched that and I was like, wow, this is actually like, it's not as hard to follow along as I thought it would be for subtitles. Um, and luckily in this movie, not a lot goes on. So it's pretty easy to watch and read. Yep. Um, but I did like it a lot. It is kind of more of like a romance movie with some underlying tension for the most part. And then of course it peaks when there's like 20 minutes left with the whole, like, uh, part where she starts to torture him all that shit and but i guess that's when it becomes like straight horror thriller but i i I think overall um that tension building is wonderful and it does pay off in the end um will be one that i watch often maybe not but i will be revisiting it kind of like brady said like i don't think it's going to be something i'm going to watch right away but i do want to watch it again at some point and without being you know like um i guess distracted by having to take notes because yeah that's what we that do. is the thing is like sometimes i do feel like we lose a little bit with viewing the movies just because it's like unless you're gonna watch it two three times for the episode you know if you're watching it just the one time through it's like all right well i gotta stop and pause it or i just gotta try to let it run through and miss out on my notes so yeah and i i'm a pauser i will pause and rewind pause and rewind that's how i and it sometimes it takes me like hours to watch movies like three four hours yeah um so i feel like sometimes that does hurt um that like for things like uh hereditary i purposely watched it once took notes the second time i watched it and then i wound up watching it with sam again before we did the podcast so i watched three times and that felt good but sometimes i don't have the time to do that i wish i had the time for this movie honestly um because i did want to do that but i didn't have time asami's character is kind of still a huge mystery and i kind of like that um they they give her like a backstory but you don't know what's real what's not because it's all visions of shit that we don't know if it actually happened uh but i want to go back and rewatch and like i don't know kind of see if there's anything i missed with her um this could happen to anyone though you know like that's the kind of terrifying thing about this movie is that when you're dealing with strangers out in the real world you don't know who people are and you know when you get to know someone and become friends you wind up dying brady could kill us any day we don't know who brady is i'm not invited to the wedding anymore yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's a mistake because that's going to send him off the deep end. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but like, uh, I don't know. Some cuts in this movie are a bit rough. I don't know if you noticed that during like, and I don't know if they did on purpose during like the uh, dinner scenes. But some of them were really rough, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Um, and some of them, <laughs> like some scenes, look like they were straight filmed in like a pr- a class project like movie in like high school. Mm, um, a lot of stuff that Shigehiko does, like when he comes into stuff, like the framing is just like, I don't. It doesn't feel very cinematic. It feels like a just a person that's like, all right, I have a camera. I'm going to shoot this. 
Um, but overall, I guess that didn't bother me too, too much. Um, all, overall, I enjoyed it. I, I understand why this is a cult classic. The fact that that's vomit in that bowl brings this up a whole point for me, man. I'm horny now, you know. Um, no, I'm going to give this a 4.5, though. Or, I mean, 4 hey. out of 5. Oh. Yeah, 4 out of 5. I almost made a 4.5, but the thing is, like, I, don't, the, I think the reason it's not that high, I'm saving that extra 0.5, is because I'm not going to watch this all that often. But mm. I do want to explore more stuff like this. Uh, I think that's why I gave it the extra 0.5, is because it made me want to actually keep... Yeah. Have yeah. you seen Ichi the Killer? No, I actually, mm-hmm. Ichi the Killer recently got put on my radar, and I downloaded it a couple months ago. I haven't watched yeah. it yet. You guys know me. I download, but I don't watch. But that's one I really wanted to watch. I might throw that pick in next because I'm a Titus right now. That movie is almost like Takashi Miike looked at this film and said, huh, what if I did more? Yeah. But um, yeah, Asami, like I love her character. I think that she's so beautiful for like such a plain and uh, reserved character and i think that's part of the terror in it as well you wouldn't expect something like that out of her or maybe you would because you're you kind of know what you're walking into with this movie i mean i i think most people who get who watch this movie now know about that torture scene i do agree with brady like i feel like it like for as much as it's hyped i feel like it's supposed to be worse than it is but it really wasn't all that bad um but yeah that's pretty much it for me mark well what do you what do you got in your head about it um so first, I want to apologize to Brady because last week we did, or last time we did the Hitcher, and I said that was the worst movie you ever did. This now takes the cake for the worst <laughs> movie we've ever done in this podcast. <laughs> Damn, I've never been so bored watching a movie in my entire fucking life, from start to finish. I couldn't wait for this movie to be over. It felt like a chore to watch this movie. Literally for an hour and forty-five minutes, nothing fucking happens, and then the end payoff is not worth it to me. Especially, I guess. When this movie came out in 1999, maybe back then that like that was like their torture porn scene or whatever was like that's big back then. But watching this in 2022, this movie it, it doesn't pay off for me. It I it's I don't like reading subtitles. That's not a not a knock against the movie. I don't personally I don't like reading movie have watching movies with subtitles. I absolutely hate it. Yeah. I I watch Squid Games. I watch it with dub, even though that kind of hurts to watch that way. And I still enjoyed it, but. I, I can't watch movies with subtitles. It, it took a, it took away from writing notes and stuff like that. It made it so difficult to watch. Um, nothing really happens for a long time. It's it, and it really got boring. And the only thing I, that I like about this movie is when she says the deeper, deeper, deeper thing, just because the noise is funny. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I do, I did like when she cuts the guy's head off with the piano wire, and his head like kind of falls over. But mm-hmm. I could that never, I could never watch this movie ever again. If I had the death penalty and they said you can get out of it by watching this movie, I would say I would inject myself with the needle and say, it, this "Damn, is, yeah, I, I hated this movie." I, well, I mean, Brady, I had to reclaim the top spot because you stole my yeah. Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah. This, this puts yeah. it, this puts the Hitchhiker. Or, I don't even remember the fuck that movie we just watched. Was the Hitchhiker, <laughs> the Hitcher, the Witcher, Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy? Yeah. That's like a five compared to this. I, this movie, I give a. I absolutely first zero. There we go. It it would get a zero if it didn't have her saying the deeper, deeper, deeper thing. And it made me laugh. I don't know if I was just so like, you know, when you're like tired, (laughs) like drunk, funny, even though I don't, we don't drink. Well, three of us don't drink, but you like laugh at stuff like that. Um, I also, 
the end scene when she fights the son and it's over in like 35 seconds. I don't understand why they couldn't drag that out. They drug the whole movie out, but the most important part of the movie they don't do. I just assume even they were like, all right, we got to wrap this up. It's still like mm-hmm. they wasted an hour and 40 minutes of absolute. They could have put in 10 minutes and made the ending so much better. Um, that makes me dislike the movie more because of that. I don't think the payout's worth it. It's a slow, 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 slow burn and, I, I, I'm not enjoying it. So zero out of five for me. I will never watch that movie ever again. And um, Rob, what about, how do you feel about this? this? Is your first time watching it too? Yeah. So I'm definitely no stranger to Japanese cinema. Um, there's tons of films and shows and things that I've watched. So it, to me, I kind of understood a, a lot of some of the context and some of the styles of, I don't want to say, it's a presentation of the film. That being said, um, it might shock you that my score will be lower than Brady and Kyle's. Uh, lower than mine? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I, I think my problem was is that having previously seen Ichi the Killer, I was expecting something very similar to that or something in that realm. And now I understand how Ichi the Killer is more of a ramp up from audition. Like, I think that t- that tainted my view a little bit of it um as well as watching like 13 assassins and and how violent that film is uh nonetheless i'm giving the film believe it or not a three out of five right down the middle of the road and Hmm. my big issues with the film for me personally is pacing um i think this film could end up being an hour and 30 minutes and be solid uh even an hour and 20 and be solid uh, the issue for me is that that the whole sequence leading up to that final end sequence just takes too long. It's too long of a burn for me. And maybe I'll settle into it differently later. Um, but just for me watching it, like I understand what Mark was saying, how you're just kind of like, um, why is this taking so long? And I get that the reason for that is to kind of lull you into this sense of like, hey, you know, you're you're really examining these themes of loneliness. You're examining these themes of misogyny and stuff like that i 100 percent get that it just to me it burns a little too long uh when it, it does turn oh my god does it turn i could barely watch the dog vomit scene i literally was just it takes a lot as someone who tends to like body horror and creature features like even that was a little much for me just i was like i don't know what it was it just got me on a different level I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't realize it was vomit, honestly. I thought it was just milk, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, she's kind of in the background, like, yeah. doing it. Uh, but, yeah, that I was like, okay, all right, we're on a different planet now. I was like, there is there is Takashi. There he is. Okay. Um, and the torture sequence, I thought, just a, another masterfully shot scene in terms of just showing you little, but making you feel a lot. Like, there's not a lot of blood and gore. Obviously, when you saw the feet off, that's a different subject. But it, just the way that she's acting and his reactions to it and the sound design, like you, that pain is believable. It's good. So, um, honestly, like, that's, to me, what saves the film and makes it rewatchable for me. Um, there are a couple themes here that are huge, loneliness being one of them. And actually, just last year, Japan's government created their first minister of loneliness. Mm. Uh, loneliness in Japan is considered the worst p- 
possibly in all the developed countries of the world. Um, the amount of isolationism and suicide rates are through the roof. Uh, people, COVID has only exacerbated it by a, by a huge amount. And that's why Japan has now actually from a top-down government level had to address the level of loneliness in the country. Um, declining marriage rates, declining childbirth rates, uh, the, the, the decline of relationships has definitely impacted the country. And obviously this was a big talking point uh, towards the end of the 90s. In addition, there's other themes about the expectations of women in the workplace. Kotobuki um, Taisha, which means resignation from a company on marriage. That's why when the secretary says, I'm getting married, she's looking for more of a response because generally what that means is I have to quit the company. Well, I also, they had an affair together. So I think that's another. Exactly. What I'm saying is like, what I'm saying, it's not like she can get married and then stay with the company and still be close to him and maybe even still have an extramarital affair. Like it just means like, Hey, once I'm married, I'm removed from your company forever. Like I'm gone. And I think that she wants him to say like, no, stay with the company, stay with me. Right. So um, Kotobuki Taisha is a, a major issue uh, and women in society. It's Japan is very patriarchal. No way around that. I know a lot of people like to talk about patriarchy here and there, but Japan from its, feudal, from its feudal era straight to today is a very clear patriarchal line. Mm. 100%. Uh, a lot of that comes from uh, Buddhist and Confucian practices. So it's not, two out of the realm so there are a lot of themes of militant feminism in this and overt misogyny and a lot of things of that nature and so, and almost like the violent clash of a culture within the film so i see a little bit of that in there and then obviously what comes to mind is uh, a little bit of a sick fascination with the with innocent people turning out to be murderers um, I'm going to make a call back to Junko Furuza. Uh, I don't, Kyle, I believe you're familiar with that case. Are you or no? Which one is that? Is that the girl that Junko. was tortured? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, like tortured for like many days and like 40 days. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this at all. Mm. No. Uh, young, uh, young Japanese um, boys who had loose affiliations to the local Yakuza. Um, and I mean, very young teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they were like 14 or 15 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they basically picked up a, a, a young girl off the street and kidnapped her and brought her to an apartment. And they spent 40 days brutally sodomizing and torturing her. Um, yeah, they, they would like burn her, like fucking put acid so, on her, like choke her, like broke light bulbs inside of her. Yeah, they would put light bulbs in her and break them. Like they, and then they would like do a lot of this to like she was on the brink of death and then let her heal up a little bit and take and rest yeah, and like keep going feet. over and over. Um, and they were terror. Like the parents of the one kid were downstairs the whole time and they yeah. were so afraid of their son that they didn't call authorities. Yeah. Um, and so they ended up, she ended up literally just dying of pain. She just died of exhaust. Her body just died of shock and exhaustion. And they put her in a barrel filled it with cement and then left her in a park. Mm. Um, and so this, um, this moment in Japanese uh, society caused a lot of people to question, start looking inward at what's happening to the youth and what's happening to young people and the cultural shifts and the violence in the culture. Uh, and so 
I think there's an influence there of the hyper-violence of the era and the degradation of society. So there's, there's just a whole bunch of stuff going on in Japan in the 80s to the 90s that uh, I can see the influences here in this film. But nonetheless, I think there are other great... I hope, Mark, I hope you're not too dissuaded. Like, for me, I'm giving it a 3 out of 10 because, like I said, I agree with you that first half of its pacing is... Um, Whoa, 3 out of 10? So yeah, yeah five, three three five, five, oh, five. Oh. That's how you know I'm tired. Uh, like I agree with Mark that it's it's got a really rough pacing, um, but for me, I think because I have the context of a lot of things involved in Japan's social and cultural history, as well as, well as contemporary history, there's a lot of stuff here that resonates for me. Um, that being said, Mark, I can assure you there are other Japanese horror films that, in my opinion, are superior. And would have a lot more payoff for you. And I'm hoping at some point we can check out another one and you won't beat me up too bad. <laughs> In the parking lot. But big thanks to Mark for going out of his comfort zone and watching and giving up some hours of his life. That he'll never get back. Well, it's part of the podcast, so. I appreciate you. <laughs> so that's where I stand. Uh, my favorite moment of the film, I think, is... The torture scene, like uh, Brady said, and I think my least favorite moment of the film is the first hour and 28 minutes. <laughs> so first, My least favorite moments. Yeah. All right. Well, sweet. Yeah, I'm glad we watched it. Yeah. I, I'm more than glad. I mean, I've always meant to watch this. Just this pushed me to actually do it. So yeah. I've always seen like the picture of um, the girl with the syringe. Mm. So I always thought this movie was like, like she was like a crazy nurse, like killing people. That's what I thought it was. And then when I watched it, I said, this is not what it is. <laughs> that is not what I thought. Well, it is, but it isn't, I guess. Yeah. I always like read that people said Asami was like a tragic character. And I don't really think she is, honestly. I think she's got a tragic backstory, but. But it, is it even real? <laughs> we don't know. Well, she has the yeah. burn marks, right? Yeah. I think everything with her as a kid was probably real. Yeah. But yeah. I think she's just more of a monster. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I I think there is um there's a lot of questions to be asked and not and no answers to be found. You mm-hmm. ain't wrong. Um, and that's it for audition 1999. Coming soon to a theater near you. So next is my pick, and I'm picking something that was requested of us a while ago, but we're about to get to now, and that is Carrie from 1976. It's the night of the senior prom, and everybody is there, even Carrie White. The girl no one likes, and everyone makes fun of. The girl who lives in that creepy house with her cruel mother. The girl with the strange power. But tonight, no one will laugh at Carrie. She'll be voted queen of the prom. For Carrie, it will be a dream come true. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. Carrie, a new film by Brian De Palma, starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, and John Travolta in his first motion picture role. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. Rated R. Brian De Palma. 
John Travolta. Mm-hmm. So I hope Nancy y'all Allen. ready to Sally tackle a classic. Fields. No, it's not Sally no. Fields. It's, <laughs> no, that was Mrs. Uh, Doubtfire. It's Missy Speck, but Sissy Spacek. Uh, or Sissy Spe- was that her name? Sissy? Yeah, Missy <laughs> Speck. Speck. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 hold on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right, cool. So Carrie it is. Yeah, we don't have any rates or reviews. Um, if you would like to, please leave us a voice message. That would be pretty cool at anchor.fm slash Char podcast. That is right in our bio on our Instagram. You can just click it, go right there, click like the message thing, and you just record a voice message. Tell us whatever you'd like. Or you know what? Tell us uh, what you'd like to hear or what you don't want to hear. If you don't want to hear how horny I am all the time or if you don't want to hear... Uh, you want to hear more about how the rest of us are horny. Or if you want to not hear Brady's tragic past. All right, that's going to happen whatever we get rated or reviewed, okay? <laughs> that's uh, my if own you want to hear, story. If you want Rob to stop saying sorry for everything, um, just, you know, anything. Uh, you can email us at vintagecharpod at gmail.com. Our Instagram is at vintagecharpodcast. And our Twitter is at vintagechar underscore. Feel free to tweet to us. This way Rob has something to fucking do for once in his life. And, uh, yeah, we just encourage everyone who listens on Apple Podcasts and Spotify now to leave a rate mm-hmm. and review. I know a lot of people on here listen on Spotify. I can see the numbers. So I do. leave us a rate and review. And, uh, yeah, we'll read on the show. We send you some stickers. And uh, that's all I got for you guys. Take care. Bye. Sayonara. Chick or treat, motherfucker. Johnny.